1: You are someone who has dedicated your life to maintain a positive mindset, to build all the things that you're building, your life, your business, your family. How crucial is it for individuals to maintain a positive mindset in navigating the challenges and uncertainties of life?
0: Every single day, we have uh, different events that happen in the day. It could be in society at large, it could be directly with us, it could be with situations with our partner, whatever that might be. It creates a thought as a consequence of the event. Now, the thought in itself does not have any emotion to it. The thought itself is just a matter of fact. If I hit the mic, the fact is I hit the mic, and that's all it is. Like, it doesn't have an emotion associated to it. What happens is because of our default programming or the most accepted thinking pattern that we may have chosen until now, we would have a thinking pattern that would kick in. For example, if I hit the mic, I may have a thinking pattern that go, Always when I'm on podcast interviews, I get nervous. And so I start hitting the mic. I'm a terrible person to bring on podcast. That's a thinking pattern. Another thinking pattern could be, oh, crap, I hit the mic. Let me just restart from the top. That's another thinking pattern. Either of the thinking patterns, will establish what happens next. So in essence, there are two points that you can control or not control in your life. The first point is the event itself. Now, most of the times you cannot control the event because it is happening externally to you. Some events you can control and so you can have some sense of input or amount of input that you take from that event. But a lot of the events are not directly influenced by you or created by you. And so you can't really do anything about it. So the first question to always ask is in a situation when I am being affected, can I control this or can I not? right? Because if you can control it, there's no point trying to control that segment of the story or that part of the story. If you can control it, it's better to just change the circumstance itself. And that can happen by choosing the right kind of people to come into your life. It could be done by having the right kind of expectations with the people that are coming into life in the sense of communicating your expectations with them in your life, setting an environment that is always positive and affirmative to you, and so on and so forth. So say, for example, One of the things that would happen is every morning as I come to the office, I have a particular path that I take to come to the office. And usually there will be a book that I will be listening to as I come to the office. And if I listen to music, it's a very specific kind of music that I would listen to that is affirmative and positive. It sets me up by the time the 10-minute drive that I have to take or 8-minute drive that I have to take from home to here. It sets me up in a particular way for me to already have a winning day. Right? So that's me setting up my circumstance in a way that I'm set up to have a positive thought. It com- gets compounded because the moment I come in, there's a particular way I make my coffee, there's a particular incense or room smell, you can say in a way, or incense or candles that are around me that are lit in the morning that will create a positive and affirmative state of mind that I would have. So I'm already setting myself up to have a mostly positive experience right? So that's the first thing that you can do. You can make your surroundings in a way that they create a positive state for you. And again, you can do that with friends or choosing the right friends. You can do it by choosing right business partners, the right life partner, mm-hmm. so forth. Even the right music. Even the uh, right music. Yeah, right music, right books, right yeah. incense, right you know, characteristic light, right statements that you see, how you see a vision board, all of that fun stuff. So there's a lot of ways that you can set up the circumstances that most of your experiences of the world are by default thoughts that are coming in are already positive. A lot of times you can't control it because there are external influences also involved, but once the event has occurred say it's an event that is not positive or it's a negative uh, event that has happened. What I would do is I would let that experience come in and see what the experience feels, but I know I can't control it. But what I can do is one of two things. is One is if this is an event that I must tackle and deal with, then I'm not trying to necessarily switch myself to a positive state, but I'm trying mostly to get into a state of actually taking action. So that's one. Another thing is sometimes that it could be a negative experience or a negative thought, but it doesn't have anything. It's not mine. It's somebody else's. It's like, to give a really simple example, somebody cuts you off in traffic. It's a simple example. It's not yours. It's theirs. They cut you off in traffic because they were probably having a difficult day. So when it's somebody else's, you can simply go, this is not mine. This is somebody else's. I don't need to carry this. And so you can simply focus on another thing. So you can like literally... Ignore what just happened. Yeah. Like somebody cuts you off in traffic, you can totally ignore and say, but my car's great, right, and done. Or the weather's fine, or whatever the thing is. But you can immediately change even the topic of conversation because it's that irrelevant to your day and the worth of your day to yourself. The only time when a negative event has some real consequence or should have real consequences in your mental state is when it actually affects you. Like if there's, say, something bad happened in business, a client didn't sign for the deal or signed for the deal and didn't make the payment or something like that. Now it's a real thing. And the only path from forward from there is not to ruminate and brood over what just happened, but actually to be able to take action towards it. So the journey or the only journey that I'm really taking from negative to positive is in that times, is when I'm actually in a negative state or negative thought pattern for probably a brief moment of time because it actually impacts me and when I am in that state then the question is can I do something about it? No. But let's say if I can't do anything about it you can't do anything about it is it yours? Yes, because it is affecting me and it is yes, mine, my shit, my story what can I do about it? What can I take action wise that would help me move towards an outcome that I would desire more? And usually within these three, four questions I would get to a place of going okay What is the action that I can take? Because I can't really do anything for the circumstance itself.
1: What you're really highlighting is how mindset plays such a vital role in problem solving and decision making. So how can we begin to train our minds to be open to creative solutions and opportunities rather than getting stuck in fear, resentment, negativity, you know, like the example of someone cutting you off. It's so easy to get sucked into that and then have your whole day be ruined versus training our mind to say, oh, okay, they cut me off. On to the next, right? How do we begin to train our minds?
0: So there are a few things that you can use to train your mind. The first thing that I find very useful is to have a very clear desire that you're moving towards. What happens most of us is we don't have very clear desires. We think, oh, let's make a little bit more money or let's get a little bit of raise or let's have a partner that is a little bit better or things that are a little bit better. Marginal gains. Which are great ways to build habits, but not desires that will move you to move mountains or change your reality, right? So first thing that I invite everybody to do is to find a desire. And if there's not something that is present to do, then manufacture a desire that drives you. A desire is only a desire when when you think about that desire, it gives you goosebumps. That's the easiest way to know that that desire is real for you. That when you think about that desire, it turns into a feeling, an experience immediately, When your desire is so visceral, so clear, so dominant, small events don't mean anything to you. Because suddenly you go, oh, that's just a day. That's just, even the whole day doesn't matter. There was a point in my life about two years ago that I had a strong desire come through me because of different events that were happening in my life at the time. And that strong desire was that I want to become an incredibly fit person. But it wasn't just a desire that was like, oh, become a fit person, get to 10% body fat or whatever the thing was. No. The desire was something like this. And uh, it, to make it, it was very visual. It's usually desires are very visual. So it was very visual to me. And it was something to this tune. One day I'm changing my clothes in my room and my wife comes from behind and she looks at me and she goes, oh, what a sexy boy. It's a visceral image in my mind. Now I'm rushing through the story, but that's kind of how it was. It's very visceral. Like, yeah, that's what happens. Now, I'm not saying what my body fat percentage is, how I look. All of that stuff is secondary. It's the experience that I'm associating to. The experience of somebody I love looking at me and appreciating for my physical being, not my mental being, not my spiritual being, but my physical being. That is exciting to me. That is visceral to me. That is a very clear desire for me because it is something that I want for me that much more. Now, when I have a desire that is so present, if on the journey I fall sometimes, I have bad days, I don't follow my nutrition or I don't follow my routine of workout or one day I've had a long day and I skip it or whatever the thing is, it cannot bother me because my not Star is still my not Star. My desire is still my desire. My desire is to train 100,000 coaches over the entire globe to be able to go out and work with millions of people. Now, that's my not-star. Does that mean that if I have a bad month or a bad week or a bad day of work, that it will take me away and put me into a negative spiral? No, because my not-star is very clear to me. I am going to train 100,000 people. For the matter maybe even more than 100,000 people at this point, but 100,000 people is very clear to me, right? I can see it, I can visualize it, I can experience it in the moment that I mention it, right? The clearer you are about your desire, the easier it is for you to bounce back or bounce forward because you are not chasing the day-to-day. You're chasing a five-year or a 10-year goal or a mission. So that's one way of... Moving away from fear, moving towards a positive outcome in life, is to know really, really clearly, as to what are you after, right? And if you don't have one, manufacture it. Yeah. Like I, literally, I know it's make believe, but yeah. it is make believe. Make believe something that you go that if it happens, that will be fucking amazing. Yeah. Then just make it up, make it up, and tell yourself every single day that's what I want. So one day you actually want it, right? It will become real. And that's how anything really gets manufactured in the world is we make believe things and then we bring it to fruition. That's what human beings have done all their life, right? Is we come up with ideas and then we make them a reality, right? So you come up with an idea and you make it a reality. So that's one way. Another way to go from a negative state to a positive state is to constantly give yourself positive and affirmative statements. The more positive and affirmative statements you tell yourself about anything, like, There's a technique we teach in one of our programs called Body. It's called the body talk. Body talk is a technique where you look at your body and appreciate your entire being. Appreciate your entire body. You appreciate your hands. You appreciate your fingers. You appreciate the back of your hand. You appreciate your arms. You go, because they're doing work for you. Like you exist because of this physical being. You appreciate your shoulders because they've been carrying your bag. You appreciate your legs. You appreciate your face. You appreciate your eyes because it gets you to see the world. You basically are appreciating your entire body. When you appreciate all of your body and you appreciate all of your life, what tends to happen is very hard for you to then think about a negative thought because you've just told your body how amazing you are. So even if you don't love your body, if you practice this for like 10 days, and this is a practice for anybody that is listening or watching this, 10 days, tell yourself every single day how much you love your body. 10 days, 11th day, you will not hate your body. 11th day, you will actually love your body. It feels like, yes, first 10 days might be hard where you might be like, oh crap, I'm saying something that I don't fully believe. But 11th day, you will believe it because you will finally see the beauty in you and beauty in the body that the universe has given you and that you get to work through. It's the same for your life. If you don't love your life right now, start telling how you love your life start saying it, it sounds, I know it sounds really woo woo and out there, but that's how your mind actually works. Once you start telling it how amazing you are, how confident you are, how much you are always receiving love, how much you are always receiving money, how much you're always being healthy and making healthier choices. Soon enough, you find yourself actually making healthier choices, actually receiving more love, actually receiving more money. And suddenly you find that negative minds is not really a problem. I
1: want to just say, I know it may sound woo-woo, but it does work because here's the thing, whatever you know, someone has been doing up until this point probably hasn't worked. So I think what you're suggesting is it may seem a little out there. You know, people may think like, oh, this is woo-woo, but it really does work because you're actually feeding yourself what you want to hear rather than just having your mind take control.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, and it's very true. If you don't tell your mind what to think. It will think for you. <laughs> it'll think for you and yeah. it'll usually think what others are saying about you. Yeah. Which, again, not that other people are bad, but they are projecting their insecurities on you, right? They're projecting their drama on you. They are projecting how they view the world, especially if they don't view it very well on you. Now you've created a story because you don't have a story.
1: Right, wow. Right,
0: but if you create your own story, you won't create the story based on the stories of everybody else because now it's your story. You get to tell how it's to be written.
1: Yes. Can you share more about how people can cultivate a resilient mindset that allows them to bounce back from failures or setbacks and persevere in the face of adversity?
0: So your mind is generally resilient. It's not actually needing anything extra except for something to move towards to be resilient and be progressive. Usually what happens is when we do have, say, a catastrophe happen in our life or something negative that happens in our life, is we give it the opportunity, we give our mind the opportunity to then succumb to that negative experience and make that negative experience the reality of our life. Right? or make it as a tool to get acceptance of people around us, make it as a tool to get recognition for people around us, which is why you will find that there are certain people who are always negative, who are always telling how they don't have it all, and how they are miserable, and life's not fair to them. And that's because that's how they've gotten acceptance. So they've become defaulted to always wanting acceptance that way by telling themselves or telling the world how the world's done them wrong. It's also the classic, you know, somebody broke up seven years ago from their partner and they're still talking about how their partner was terrible, right? It's not that they don't have a resilient mindset. They simply chose a different experience for themselves. They chose to say, hey, I choose to get attention for my misery, not for my joys. Wow. Right? Because that's the lived experience they want. And- and, Okay, good for them. But if you're somebody who's going, I don't want that experience for myself. I want to actually have a joyous experience. Then know that your mind, like it's capable of creating that story of how the world is shit or that person was shit or your reality was shit, is also capable of saying, my reality is awesome. My world is awesome. I can move forward from it, right? The way to build resilience. So it's also nuanced a little bit because let's say you were, you were in a state of grief because you lost someone. It's a real, real thing. You can't bounce back just by simply saying, "Oh, you know, I the person's not dead, the person's not dead, the person not That's not yeah. how it happens, right? It's a fact of life. If somebody passed, somebody passed, right? So you are in real grief. But then you need to nuance it by saying, "Okay, what is grief? What am I understanding of grief? What is my way to grieve?" right? Because what you will find is once you start asking these questions, you will realize, "Oh, Grief is mostly unprocessed love or unshared love in a way. Like you loved someone, but you couldn't tell them how much you love them because it's really not possible. Even if you knew somebody was going, you love especially somebody that's dear to you so much more than you can ever have words for. So there will be a lot of unprocessed, uncommunicated love, things that will come to you because you're like, oh, that memory. I could have lived that memory more, right? And because of that, you're experiencing grief. Nothing wrong with that. But once you understand, oh, that's all grief is, it's unprocessed love, you become more accepting of it. You don't beat yourself down for it. You don't go, why am I still crying? No, because this is unprocessed love. It's coming out of you. It's fine. It's totally okay. Once you realize that, now it's easier for you to bounce back because now you go, I understand grief, right? It's the same way if let's say there was somebody who did hurt you in the past. Once you understand, well, the reason why somebody hurt me is probably because they were hurt, right? Or reason why somebody was hurting me or did hurt me was because maybe there was some personal responsibility I had to take in that relationship that I didn't. Whatever that answer is, if you discover it, it becomes easier for you to go, oh, now I understand it. Once you understand it, you can work through it. You can go on the other side. Your mind is capable to bounce back really fast once it understands it. And if you don't give it an opportunity to understand it, it will keep ruminating on it. It will keep telling itself that negative story. It'll keep doing that negative spiral, as we call it very often. It's like, just in a spiral. You're like, I'm going down this hill. I know I'm going down this hill, but I don't know why I'm going down this hill, but I'm down this hill. And I'm at the bottom, and now I'm still going down, right? And that is happening because you have not given yourself the opportunity to say, why am I going down this hill? What is it that caused this to happen in the first place? Once we ask that questions when we actually diagnose. Our mind is so beautiful. And think about it like this. We're so curious as, as people. If, if you watch a movie, if you were interested in movies that were one of those crime drama movies, right? Like one of those movies where you have to find who's the killer. Right? Criminal Minds. The Criminal minds, minds, is yeah. that? Oh, that's the name of the series? Yeah. Criminal Minds. If you're interested in that, yeah. you would suddenly go, well, I'm hooked to it because I want to solve this problem.
1: Yeah.
0: That's how our mind is. Once it knows what's happening, it will immediately jump to a way to solve it. Wow. It's just designed that way, which is why these curious things always keep us hooked a lot more than anything else is because we want to know the end. That's why movies and novels are so interesting to us. They make so much money if it's a good story to be told. Not because of just the stories, because we all want to know the end. Right? We yeah. want to know how this ends. How does this complete? Right, When will it be complete? Or you make a projection into it. We try to complete it ourselves. We get pissed if the ending is not congruent to what we wanted it to be congruent to, right? Yeah. The classic Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. People are like mad at a series ending not in the way they wanted it to end, right? So that's kind of what we are really doing with our minds all the time. So give your mind the space to solve that problem and you will find that it wants to. So it is naturally designed to be resilient.
1: So when we sit in rumination, that can cause self-doubt and that really breaks away at our confidence because our mind has a way of really playing tricks on us and can make us feel even worse than when we first started ruminating in the first place. So what are some effective techniques or practices that people can employ to overcome self-doubt and develop a mindset of self-belief and confidence?
0: So, Self-doubt is an interesting topic. If you have decided to tackle self-doubt, it's an act of courage. It's something that is really brave to do. Because when you are in the state of self-doubt, you actually feel really weak. You feel like it's not meant for you. Powerless. It's kind of the worst state in a way, mentally, that you can get into is one of the worst conditions is to feel like I can't do what I really want to do. And that's self-doubt. So it's an act of courage, first of all, if you're connecting to that part of you saying, you know what, I know I'm in self-doubt, but I want to do something about it. That's really brave. It's really hard to do. So firstly, once you've done that, the thing, again, is to understand where you are and accept for where you are, right? So accept that you are in self-doubt. It's the amazing first step Just mm-hmm. simply go, okay, fine, I'm doubting myself. I'm in this place again. Right? Because it's probably not the first time you're here. I'm doubting my capabilities. I'm doubting myself. I don't have the faith that I need to have with myself. Once you accept it, it's easier for you to do the next step. The next step is to actually ask, how did I get to this place? Now, most of the time, you have created self-doubt. It wasn't. It didn't start as a self-doubt. It started as an ambition. And then you created self-doubt. right? And you created the fear around it. And here is how it usually happens. You had a dream or a goal right? And you wrote down the goal. Then you wrote down the steps of the goal. And then based on the steps of the goal, you wrote sub steps of that goal. And because of all those sub steps and steps, now you're overwhelmed with the number of steps that need to happen because of the goal that you need to achieve. And now you're equating all of your life to those sub steps, some of which you don't know you've never done before. And now you go, oh, I don't think I can do this. Right. So self-doubt is a physical reality or a mental reality that comes true because of overanalyzing a particular situation or a particular goal or path to a particular goal. If you have achieved goal ever in your life, you would realize that most of the ways you actually achieve your goal had a stark difference to how you thought you would achieve the goal. Right. The path is never what you think the path's going to be. It's usually some version of that path. And a lot of times it's a much shorter path than you initially imagined it will take. So what's happening here is that you're creating self-doubt by over-analyzing the situation, over-planning the situation by creating so many sub-steps that it overwhelms you and creates self-doubt because now you're not seeing yourself actually being able to execute based on all these different steps. Another reason self-doubt occurs is if you haven't over-analyzed is you have over-projected. By over-projecting, it means you have assumed that the world is, you are the center of the stage, you're on stage and the world's watching you. And here's the thing, and my students in one of my programs kind of joke about it because I say it so many times, is no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares, no one gives a shit. And people go, I just, you say this so many times, there should probably be a motto that you have on a t-shirt, no one cares. And the reason for saying that is actually because nobody really cares. Nobody actually cares about if you did what you said you're going to do or not did what you said you're going to do. They only care if it's in context to them. Because like you are thinking that everybody's watching you, everybody's thinking that everybody's watching you. And even if they're commenting, they're not commenting because they are commenting about you. They're commenting because they're seeing a gap in themselves and they're commenting about themselves, but you're just a place or a person that they're projecting on. Yeah. Right? So when we think about those comments that come in our comment section or, you know, people saying stuff to us or whatever, it's never about us. If you really think about it, It's never about it. It's about them. The person who's actually experiencing it for themselves, they just project on you. There's a celebrity who said this, and I love this. I don't remember which was a celebrity, but there was a celebrity who was talking about comments in their section. And you know, because celebrities got a lot of hate comments, right? So the person was saying, if you have a problem with me, text me. If you don't have my phone number, you probably don't know me enough. And so you shouldn't have a problem with me. Right. And that's true for life. It's like if the person doesn't even know you and they're projecting on you, it doesn't matter because they don't even know you. Right. So if there is that circumstance, for a moment you think, oh, somebody cares. Like either that person really cares. And then let's get that feedback because that's actually, they're never going to tell you that you're shit. They're usually going to tell you, hey, here's how we can do this better. Right. Because they care about you. But if they don't care about you, then they shouldn't even comment anything theoretically because they don't know yeah. enough about you, right? So it's kind of very interesting and a very easy way to kind of, kind of go, okay, oh, nobody really cares. Nobody's really watching me. Nobody actually wonders if I am being able to fulfill what I said that I'm going to do. Yeah. So you don't have to doubt yourself. You don't have to over-understand your plan. You don't have to make it perfect. You just have to get it done for you to be able to move to the next stage to see what actually is in store for you.
1: I think also that when we're trying to overcome this self-doubt and what other people think of us, we don't realize that taking the action oftentimes is the thing to help us develop that confidence, right? So how important is it, in your opinion, to continuously be learning and growing for our own personal development? And what steps can individuals take To foster a mindset of ongoing growth and improvement.
0: So continuous growth and development is the essence of human realizing human potential. If you aspire or if you look up to any person that you think is a phenomenal human being, you would find that they are in a state of constant growth. They are different every six months or so or every four months or so. Every year, definitely. They they have new set of beliefs. They have new set of ideas. They have new way of operating. If you're aspiring to be someone or like whoever, not for their things, but for who they are, you'll find they're constantly evolving. They're constantly growing. It doesn't mean that they have a reading routine. They can. It's highly likely that they have a reading routine and they read a lot. But They may have an environment, a community of very strong individuals that educate them all the time. They may have close-knit of friends or masterminds that they're part of. They may be doing programs or seminars or peak experiences. They may be reading books. They may be listening to books. They may be doing something that is constantly giving them a new way to look at themselves and a new way to look at the world. Because that is the only way that you actually create a new reality. Previously in our conversation, we were talking about how day to day you will have events. Moment to moment, you have events in your life. The saving grace or one of the greatest ways to stay in a positive state always is to always be learning. Because when you're learning something, you can't be negative. Wow. Because if you're listening to a book, it's always affirmative. It's not a negative. I mean, unless you've found a book that is negative. Don't listen to depressing psychology, of course. Uh, If you do that, then of course, like I think, there are some psychologists who are, and philosophers who are like really depressing. Yeah. If you're listening to them, sure, you can listen to them and you can philosophically feel like a genius, but you'll only feel depressed about society. So what's the point, yeah. right? You'll only feel depressed about humanity. You'll think everybody's evil. Mm-hmm. There's no point doing that to yourself. It doesn't help you in any way except for giving you good talking points and feeling like, a great human being by shitting on people. Instead, just be a nice human being and listen to only affirmative, positive, progressive stuff. And you will always be in a positive state. So, so learning is, is there not only so you grow, but also to manage your state. And because if your state is good, you will also grow because of that. Great ways to do that is like, for example, this year, I read 31 books. Wow. And thir- not read, listen to 31 okay, books. Okay, but still. Yeah, that's, listen yeah. to 31 books in seven months, right? So that puts me a really good average, about a book a week approximately, right? And that's phenomenal. Right? But that's because every single day there's a book that's going on the back of my mind or front or while I'm driving or while I'm walking, while I'm working out, something like that. Right, And that's just the books. Apart from that, I've done maybe 10 programs. Right, And it depends on what I'm focused on as to what program I'm doing. I've done at least three peak experiences, which is events. Events are peak experiences because you go in there and there's a peak experience you get to have and then you step out of it. So i attended three peak experiences in the first three, six months of this year. And so that's kind of how you design your life around growth. Life should be designed around growth because everything else falls in place when your growth is in place.
1: Man, I would love to hear in your experience, what are some of the common mindset traps or limiting beliefs that you've seen people tend to fall into, like the most common, and how can they overcome these to unlock their full potential and lead more fulfilling lives?
0: I think the most common mindset trap in my world, and my world is very much right now in the coach training environment. And it used to be with businesses a lot more. But even in businesses and now in coach training environment as well, the most common mindset that seems to be the most dominant in the pathway or somebody living their fulfilled and and passionate lives is where people think they're not good enough. Mm. They're not good enough for their dreams, they're not good enough for their money, they're not good enough to coach, they're not good enough for whatever, fill in the blank. And they keep telling themselves that story. They keep telling themselves that story of how they're not good enough and why they're not good enough. And That is one of the biggest kind of challenges that we have to overcome, is people to develop faith back with themselves. Because we also tend to work with individuals who are 35 and over. So they have seen a little bit of life, right? Not a lot, but a little bit of life, right? They tend to be anywhere between 35 to 55 years old, 65 years old for that matter. And in that range, people are either seeing a little bit or a lot of life. And for whatever reason, the version of life that they had to experience kind of be down on them. And they feel like, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not good enough for this. Who am I to do X? Who am I to do this? So there's a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-loathing. There's a lot of uh, concern based on their past, on how their future should look like. And what I tell them and what I would suggest anyone that's listening to this as well is find all the resources that you can to change that mindset, one of the resources that you can use to change that mindset is start looking for evidence on why you are awesome and why you're more than enough. Because while, so what our mind does is it plays a beautiful trick. It goes, let me look at all the negatives and double down on them because that way I protect myself, right? I defend myself. And so it forgets all the amazing times that you have actually done amazing stuff. I was doing this exercise recently at one of our events and I asked people to close their eyes and and said, Think about the last five or 10 years, maybe even 20 years of your life. And think about when did you 20x yourself over a period of three to five years, right? And usually you will find that if you start a new career, you start a new relationship, you started something or started something after something really difficult or did something after something really difficult. In three or five years time, you were 20x better than when you started Mm -hmm. in that thing, right? It could be anything. You did a degree, you did a job, you were 20x better three years later or five years later, right? You start a business, you've made it a little bit successful, 20x better than $0, right? So you are capable of doing amazing things if you remove the filter of moment-to-moment failures and the memory of moment-to-moment failures and the weird cycle of one-year cycle, which we all learn from our school and college days and we think life is lived in a year cycle. And so we go, oh, you know, I, I was not able to make my business successful last year. Yeah, but if you look at three years, oh yeah, I've grown 20x in the last three years. Well, then you've grown 20x, right? Which means you've actually had phenomenal success if you just changed the lens that you were looking at your own business, all your reality is, right? Are you 20x more confident? Yes. Oh, Then you can 20x yourself, right? But we don't look at our lives like that. We look at our lives with this very closed filter of last six months, last year, last month. And so it's very little growth or no growth at all because the time frame is too short. So that's the first thing that you can do if you're feeling limited to or doubting yourself finding yourself incapable is to change the lens that you're looking yourself at.
1: I really love that because it's so easy for us to look at, obviously, everything that's wrong, all the gaps, and just keep focusing on trying to close the gaps, close the gaps. It's the same thing, you know, when we just look at the differences in other people, right? If you're only just looking at differences, you, I mean, you're rarely going to find something to connect on. But if you look for similarities, you're more likely going to find something to connect. So I love that because I think when it comes to personal growth, people really just laser in on like everything that they think is wrong, and then it just amplifies. So I love that your strategy is. Like telling yourself that you're awesome, finding the things about yourself that are awesome and make yourself more awesome, right? Like take those things that you're awesome at and amplify that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's the first thing. So you will find that there are actually repeating patterns of you being awesome. So you don't have to like think that you're not good enough for anything. If you give yourself enough time, you're actually good enough for anything, like more than good enough for anything, right? Right. The challenge is you don't give yourself time, right? A new coach starts and thinks immediately they're not good enough because it's the first time they're coaching anyone or they haven't even coached anyone and they go, Who am I to coach? Or like girl, you just started, (laughs) you haven't even tried, right? It's like saying, oh, I'm not good enough to ride a bicycle, but you've never sat on one. It's like, sit on one, pedal, use the training wheels, then take off the training wheel. There's steps to this, like, but you gotta get on the bike to learn how to bike, right? So that's the constant challenge that one has where they create a story and narrative and beat themselves before even they get started. Secondly is not only to look at their past, but also to understand the past only has one job, which is to tell you how you got to the present, but it doesn't tell you how to go into the future. It doesn't even tell you how to live the present. It just tells you how you got to the present. Like this was your story. That's it. That's the only job of the past. There's absolutely nothing that proves that if your past was bad, your present's going to be shit. And your future is gonna be shit. There is no correlation whatsoever. There's tons of people who had shitty past, decent present, and outstanding future, and people who have had amazing past and shitty future. Like, wow. there is no correlation between past and future. There is only a story that you tell yourself, which also means that you can change the story. Yeah, And you can tell yourself a different thing right now. You can tell yourself a different story or the different perception of the story. You can tell yourself a different statement. You can repeat a different statement. You can remind yourself a different reality that you want to live in. And soon enough, you'll find that you are different and you will live a very different life than how you lived. So there's no reason to really feel you're not good enough.
1: When you're talking about telling yourself that you are good enough, telling yourself that you are awesome, it sounds like you really want our listeners to leverage the power of positive affirmations and Mm -hmm. visualization to align their mindset with their goals and aspirations. Do you have any practical tips? Because I know visualization is one of those things and affirmations feel very woo-woo for people. I'm a huge fan of visualization Mm -hmm. and affirmation practices, but do you have any practical tips for people who may want to venture into visualization and affirmation and bring that into their daily habits and their practices?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're all proven psychologically. So it's not something that is actually woo at all. Yeah. It's basically cognitive biases that get created the moment you have affirmations or you have visualization of the future. It creates filters for you to be able to see exactly what the future you want and it makes it easier for you to actually realize the future. But here is how and what you can do or one can do when they are just getting started on this is... First thing is to understand that meditation is the art of focusing. It's not the art of quieting your mind. It's the art of focusing. At least the modern meditation is, right? There was monks and there are monks who live on high mountains and they just quieten their mind, but you don't have to do that. You can use meditation to your power and use it as a tool to focus your mind. In today's world and also in the past world, we've always been very excited about distractions and attractions that are always around us. And because of that, it is harder for us to achieve our goals because we never focus our effort towards it. Visualization is the act of you focusing on your desire and focusing you on your goals or ambitions or how you want to live your life or experience your life. So a simple way to start visualizing and a simple way to start affirmations is to simply decide what's the future that you want and see it like a movie. See it like a movie in front of you as you close your eyes. Listen to some soothing, beautiful music. Don't have to get overly complex about it. Take two, three deep breaths. Let your body relax. And as your body relaxes, just project as if you're projecting a movie onto a screen. And see yourself living that life. Feel it. Experience it. Smell it. More often, more frequently you do this, you will find that it's easier and easier for you to actually experience it without even trying so hard, right? And you will start to find evidence of it coming true faster and you'll start taking action towards it faster. One of the weird things that I do is I do this right before going to bed. So right before I go to sleep, about for five minutes, all I would do is I'll close my eyes, I will see whatever, and I have several desires that I'm working on in any given time, uh, or what I'm projecting into my future, creating into my future at any given time. I would actually see myself in one of those desires being fulfilled, like as if a movie is playing and I would doze off to it. What I found is when I do that, my dreams that I do remember are all around that desire, right? So it's a very fun, simple technique to use that you can do because anyways, you're going to go to bed and you're going to go to bed with honestly random thoughts. That's usually, or whatever is the last thing you watched, right? Instead of that completely useless thing, do a useful thing. Turn off your screens a little bit earlier so you don't have the memory of all that stuff right present in your mind. And as you close your eyes, instead of thinking whatever random thought you're going to think, think about exactly what you want to think about, which is the dream that you want to realize. Once you do that, you will find that your dreams become more congruent to what you desire. And you now have even more motivation when you wake up because you literally dreamt about your dream coming true.
1: I can actually attest to that. So... Last night, actually, at around eight o'clock, I was listening to like a manifest your partner subliminal meditation. I haven't listened to anything related to romance and partnership in a while. I go, let me just give this a shot. And so I'm listening to this woman and she said, I want you to visualize you in the relationship. I want you to feel the feeling. I have never done this around partners. I haven't done this in, in years probably, since I've been divorced, almost 10 years. But yesterday, I was so intentional about it and I felt it and I could see it and I just dozed off to bed. And then I woke up today and I felt different. I felt like something in me opened up. You know what I mean? Like it almost felt, it almost felt like, oh, this can be real. This is not just a thought. Like I actually started to feel it. So I'm gonna do it every night. I'm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna do the same meditation every single night. And, and you know, this is just one of the things that I've used for myself. I'm curious to know. Any examples of mindset shifts or uh, reframing techniques that have made a significant impact on your own life or the lives of those that you've worked with?
0: So, I mean, shifting mindset is one of those powerful things that everybody should do. But I want to go tangentially towards when you cannot actually shake it. Because that's what happens sometimes, is that you're in a negative state and you cannot shake it and you cannot let go of it. And so I want to give you two... Idea is there. Idea number one is for to think about something completely different. Yeah. Right? Just in a different frame altogether. Right? So, what happens with that is the hold of the negative thought loosens when you are thinking about something completely different. So, for example, and it could be something that gives you tremendous joy and it's okay for the time being if that needs to happen. So, say, for example, something in business is really troubling you, really troubling you, really troubling you. Right? Think about your favorite food. And go out and go have your favorite food if you need to have it, right? Or think about your favorite workout or favorite place to walk and then go out and start walking in that place. What you'll find is that this thought starts to loosen it hold on you because it's fighting with something that's so joyous for you that it shifts you almost instantly, right? If not instantly, in a matter of minutes because you can't have this and this at the same time because the association is to is nothing correlatable so it's a disassociation model or method where you simply just create a contrary more powerful or equally powerful emotion to fight with this emotion so you can let go of the hold of this negative emotion Another way is hypnotherapy, which is a whole different thing. We're not going to get into it, but you could use hypnotherapy to actually remove this negative experience completely and associate it with something more positive. And that's another way of doing it. Another way to shift your mindset would be question this mindset. Right. So first question is to ask, is this that I can control? Right. Simple, it's a stoic question to ask, can I control this situation? Can I control this experience that is happening for me? If the answer is yes, go do something about it. That's the first thing. If the answer is no, then you go to the next question. You go, okay, if I can't do anything about it, is this really mine? And that is more a question to understand if this emotion is for you or it's for somebody else. right? And You ask that question, you try to diagnose, okay, if this is for you or this is somebody else's. If it's not yours, you can let it go because it's not yours, it's somebody else's. But if it's yours, you can own it. You can go, okay, this, I own Then This emotion, this experience, I can own it. Right. So if you can't do anything about it and you own the emotion, the final question that I would encourage you to ask yourself is, so if this is mine and if I own it, what is it that I can do to... Release myself or my emotions from the situation. Yeah. Right. So, what it does is it takes that arbitrary negative emotional experience and turns it into an action. And the reason why you want to turn it into an action is because if you let the emotion or that thought ruminate, it will become bigger. And once it becomes bigger, it's harder and harder to let go. So, you know, if there is a conflict you have with a business partner or a life partner or a friend, and you, instead of discussing with them, you let it ruminate, it becomes so much bigger yeah. that it's very hard to resolve, right? Because yeah. you can't let it go then. yeah. So it's almost as quickly as you identify that this is taking a toll on me. It's a good idea to ask these three questions. And the faster you get to what actions can I take, the faster and easier it will be to let go of the hold of that negative thought.
1: I'm actually also a huge fan of changing your vibrational state. So if I'm upset about something and I'm starting to ruminate, I'm also very much a ruminator. I'll notice that I'm ruminating and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go do something that I know will always make me happy. I'll go cuddle with my dog. She's the sweetest, sweetest thing. And I will intentionally just go be with her, love on her. And then I'll go back to the thing that I was ruminating. And it doesn't feel as terrible and heavy, right? Because I'm just like received love and given love to my cute little dog. And then you come back to the situation. So it's just kind of revisiting the situation or that thought with a fresh pair of eyes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great, great way. And yeah. you can also try to ruminate while cuddling your dog.
1: Ooh. And
0: it will actually, you won't ruminate a lot. Yeah. It will just simply take its hold because yeah. there's so much love or abundance of love around you yeah. that that thought is so irrelevant then.
1: Are there any specific mindset shifts or approaches that can help people recognize and seize opportunities?
0: Mindset is critical for seizing opportunities because if we are in an opportunity state or if there's an opportunity that has been presented to us and say we have been until that point thinking about how the world's not being fair to us or the things have not worked out the way we wanted it to work out or whatever that is the story that you've been telling yourself. Say there's a client that is saying, yep, let's have a conversation, you know? Give me a, drop me an email and we'll we'll talk. We'll set up a time and we'll talk. Now, let's take two examples. There's coach one, coach two. Coach one is going, ah, that's bullshit. I've, I've had a person that asked me to email them and then I emailed them and they never replied and ah, I don't know, It's I don't know if I should be reaching out. This is probably a scam, right? That's coach one, right? Mindset. I've done this before, it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. Mindset number two, it says, oh, that's great. Let me send you an email right now. So it gets into your inbox and maybe I'll take your phone number too just to follow up. Mindset two, where this is working for me. Yeah. And I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen for me. Right. Both of the mindsets are a mindset of a coach. And we have seen both being very active in a coach's reality. There's people like this and there's people like this. Who do you think gets more deals? Yes. Coach two, the one who is saying, I'm going to follow up and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to take the phone number too or I'll take the assistance phone number or I'll take the office phone number and I will follow up and I'll send the second email and third email until the person replies. That's the person that's getting the contract. The one who's doubting themselves and thinking nobody's going to get back to them does not have anybody getting back to them.
1: Well, they've already failed before they even started, right? Because they've taken past evidence and they've said, well, this is not going to work. Yeah.
0: So So they've just told themselves the story. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for everything today. Thank you.